Bokertov, today's staff is Nun and We continue in the uh, Agarita here, some of the uh, most central Agarita about the Chorban Abayis. And we pick up at the bottom of Nun Vav Amut Bet. And we are um, um, just dealt with the whole issue about uh, Titus and how he uh, met his downfall with a gnat. You know, you have to uh, sort of acknowledge sort of the almost uh, humor, the absurdity of like, you know, we had Vespasian uh, whose feet uh, blew up and then Titus, his gnat fell into, you know, came up his nostril. So, uh, even though Vespasian is sort of the good guy or somewhat in this story, you know, it is very much like a bringing the mighty down, you know, so that's a little, uh, there's an element of a little bit of a, like of a mockery going on there. Anyway, the Gemara, and uh, Titus basically asked that God should not be able to uh, judge him after he died so that his ashes be spread over the seven seas. And now we pick up four lines from the bottom on Nunvav Amudbet, and we have the following. Unculus bar Clonikos, so Unculus, the son of Clonikos, bar Achasei de Titos, vihave. He was the, uh, um, the father of Unculus the Gare, and he was the son of the sister of Titus, Baile uh, Gure, and he wanted to convert, because eventually the story is he's Unculus the Gare, he converts. So, also, Askei the Titus, Benigida, he, br- he brought Titus back up through some type of a witchcraft. Um, and he said to him, so he rose him from the dead, and he said to him, Man alma, who is important in that world, the world to come? Amalei, he said to him, Yisrael, the uh, Jewish people, Israel, so so should I therefore cleave to them? Should I join them in this world? No, their words are many, meaning they're, you know, it's very hard to be a Jew. There's a lot of obligations, a lot of mitzvot. You won't be able to fulfill it. Look, here's your best shot. So, uh, you know, uh, um, attack them um, um, in this world. Um, and the Havis Reisha, and at least you will uh, be uh, successful in this world, in, in, not in the world to come. There, you know, you'll be punished, but at least you might as well be successful in this world. The Chsiv, Hayutzarehalarosh, its enemies were for a head. Anybody who oppresses Israel, now the, the grammar here is, becomes a head, which actually, uh, you know, becomes a leader, which actually is a little depressing. It's like sort of an incentive for somebody to, uh, you know, oppress and afflict the Jews you'll become a leader so you know so some, so the commentaries say it means that um, you that only a great leader will oppress Israel you know so it's sort of like we'll have already become a leader but it's not the pshat uh, it's a way of rereading the Gemara we just saw that with uh, with, with uh, Despasian yeah. yeah but it's actually not exactly pshat of the Gemara he says you know what go ahead and attack them and afflict them and then at least you'll be successful in this world Amalei so he said Dine do government so he wanted to know what would be the uh, you know what would be the consequence in the world to come so that man meaning you what's your punishment in the world to come that's what you did you know you attacked the, ba- the Jewish people you destroyed the base of Mikdash what I uh, what I asked for to be done to myself that's what's done to me on a daily basis what does that mean every day they my ashes are uh, regathered from the seven seas um, and presumably I'm like reconstituted in some way the and then I'm Rejudged um, on a daily basis, the kalulei and that's just said in third person, and they burn him, meaning I'm I'm reburnt. and my ashes are spread over seven seas. So this happens to me on a daily basis. So that's what will happen to you. But you know, might as well have it fun in this world. So then he called he he, he brought Bilam back from the dead. Abinagidan witchcraft. Amalei he said to him, who is important in that world in the world to come? Amalei Israel Israel malid so should I cleave to them? Amalei don't seek after their well-being. It might be they're good in the world to come, but you should hate them in this world. So Amalei dine how are you being judged in that world in the world you know in the world to come? Amalei b'shichvat zerorotachas in in boiling semen. Uh, so, that's uh, what two ant explanations given to that is, number one, because he caused Bnei Israel to sin with Benot Moav, and the others say because, uh, you know, just a reflection on his own, like, lustfulness and so on. Also, Aske Ben Gida Israel. So then he caused, now, our version is the Israel sinners to be 
rise up in witchcraft. But the original Gersh is Yeshu. Okay? So, Yoshri Hanotri. So he caused Jesus to come up in witchcraft. Who's important in that world? I mean, but you know, Jesus is sort of is a, is a Jewish heretic in this context. So, who is important in that world? Amalei Yisrael, Israel. Should I uh, cleave to them in this world? Amalei. So he gives them a very different answer than before. Tovasam derosh. Ra'atam lojidrosh. Yes, you should seek after their well-being and not after their evil. Which doesn't necessarily say you should convert, but you should try to be good to them in this world. If anybody tries to, you know, do something wrong to them, touch them, it's like you're trying to poke yourself in your own eye. Amrlay, so he actually said, yeah, he was the one who actually said you should be good to them in this world. What are, what's that man being judged with? What is your judgment in the world to come? So Amrlay, in boiling excrement. Anybody who mocks the words of the sages is judged with boiling excrement. So notice, by the way, you know, his sin here is being framed as like mocking the words of the sages, right? I mean, it's much more about a Jewish heretic than somebody who is seen as actually having, you know, attacked and oppressed and caused, the, you, know, the, you know, the Jews like Bilam and uh, Titus. So Tarchazi, and then the Gemara comments, come and see Mabein Poshi Israel, Linevie Umota Olam, the difference between Ovdea Vodazara. See the difference between a, an Israel, her, a, a heretic from Israel and a, a prophet from the, uh, from the nations who are idolaters. You know, that even in the world to come, the idol, even after there being these uh, harsh judgments, the idolaters still say you should do evil to Israel. Whereas the uh, Jewish heretics, they able to say, no, you should actually de- be good to Israel. Now, come see how great is the power of shame. Now, we're actually, this is a way of wrapping up the discussion we started yesterday, that the base of Mikdash was destroyed because of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. So see how great is the power of shame. God gave, assisted Bar Kamsa, right? You know, sort of it was like, uh, obviously it was part of God's plan he had to destroy the base of Mikdash, but it all came about through, according to the Gemara, through the story of Bar Kamsa, and God guided the events. And ultimately it caused for the, the base of Mikdash to be destroyed and the Heichal to be burnt. It's actually interesting, right? Because earlier the Gemara said, because of uh, this uh, rabbi who wouldn't let them do what they needed to do, uh, bring the Korban, it was his humility. Here it is saying, right, God was the one who destroyed his own house, right? So who are we sort of attributing it uh, to? It's also interesting, ending this idea of shame that Bar Kamsa was like shamed, you know, um, and write this whole story about these uh, Rishayim who were judged and weren't able to even after the fact be like ashamed of what they had done, you know, sort of uh, and uh, actually like re, you know, revisit their actions. One also wonders if the whole story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa is really a um, metaphor, not to tell you like normally it's translated as you know, uh, well here it is, it's about shaming and how terrible the sin of shaming is, or sometimes it's translated in more religious terms about sinat chinam, but it actually was a very real world sinat chinam, you know, as we sort of store in the story about the zealots, right, the fact that there were all these factions and they were spending so much time warring against themselves, right, and that they could have actually, there was no need for them to have actually, you know, rebelled against Rome and there was no real need why they could not have, you know, uh, managed to negotiate that, not have gotten into that situation to begin with and have managed to actually survive it without the base of this being destroyed. It really was brought about because of the internal fighting um, and um, and the lack of leadership, which is the Gemara's whole story about how the rabbis at that time, you know, were able to do something and you know and didn't do anything. So, all right. So now the Gemara shifts. I mean, and it really is important. I mean, to some degree, maybe that's obvious, but to another degree, sometimes we get so caught up in these stories that they become almost like you know, like I don't know, like fairy tales or something, and you don't realize that there were real commentary about you know what really uh, brought about the Chorban bias. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: A Tarnagova Tarnakota on a on a hen and a rooster, Kharif Tormalka. This a city Tormalka was destroyed. So what does this mean? Gavinhigi, they had a practice, Kihavu Mafik Khasnavakalsa, when a Khasankala would go out. 
meaning would you know would be the wedding procession. Mafi Kamayu Tarnagola of Tarnagolta. They would have walk in front of them a, a hen and a, ro- and a, 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 a rooster and a hen. Excuse me, a rooster and a hen. Kolomar, and which was to, to, to signify Puravu Katarnagola, and you should be as uh, fruitful as uh, these uh, you know hens and roosters. Yomachad. One day, I mean, you know, a hen lays an egg on a daily basis, right? Yomachad Havikachalif Gunda de Romay. So one day, a, a troop of Romans was passing through. And there was a wedding procession, but they were hungry, so they grabbed the chickens. Okay, so so what happened? So the people nafu alayu, they attack, they fell on them, meaning they attacked them machunu, and they and they hit them. They started beating up the Romans. Okay, give us back our chickens. This is a, our wedding procession. Okay, asu amulei So they went and they told the Caesar, Marju who die. The Jews are rebelling. Us, you know, they attacked us. Also alayu. So they he came on them, meaning that. He attacked them, you know, brought an army against them. Now there's a certain man by the name of Bar Daroma in this Jewish uh, village. Um, that he could jump a mile. Okay, and he would smite the Romans. He would jump a mile. I guess his sword would be out. He'd chop them up as he would be jumping over them. Okay, so anyway, they would not have been able to be destroyed because he had all these uh, superpowers. My kids like to read this book. I don't know if anybody's heard about this. This comic book strip called Asterix. Has anybody heard about this? It was done by these two French Jews and it was basically about this uh, little village in France that there was a uh, a druid that made this was able to make this like magic potion that gave them all superpowers and they were able to resist the Roman occupation during the time of Julius Caesar. Anyway, so he said, <laughs> sort of like, he, so he said, so they said that what inspired, it's a great series, they learned a lot about Roman history by reading it. Anyway, so, <laughs> so he said what inspired them was the stories about Bar Kochva, because if you think about it, Asterix Right, it's, they spell it with an X, but after this is a star, right? Bar Kochva, you know, how the Jews were just like one small little place that was able to resist the Romans, you know, for this long yeah. period of time, for years. Anyway, so here you have this guy with superpowers who's able to, to, to resist the Romans. Um, so anyway, Meshachle Kesar Latage, so the Caesar took his, his crown, the Osva Ahara, and put it on the ground. Omar, and he said, Master of the world, Kule, of the entire world, if it is in your favor, don't hand over this man, meaning myself, me and my kingdom, kingdom, be a day in the hand of one man. Like, you know, this will be so inappropriate that all of Rome will be wiped out by this one uh, Superman here. So, um, I'm so apparently his answers were, his prayers were, were answered. Because Puma with Bardroma. Bardroma's mouth tricked him up. The Amar and Bardroma said, he was complaining against God even though he had these powers and apparently he was you know resisting the Romans but he said to God God you've abandoned us and you're not going out in our troops so because of that you know the Caesar was the one that sort of recognized God and prayed to God and Bardaroma was the one that was complaining to God so now before we continue with the story the Gemara says what do you mean he was just quoting the Pasuk into Hillim David Nami Amar Hachi David said that Pasuk David was, a sta- was, was sort of saying it in, in, in wonder like, like, like is, is it possible you know that you God has, have abandoned us whereas Bardaroma was actually you know a, a charging God um, not you know not, not saying how is this you know is this possible it couldn't be he wasn't saying that he was saying God you abandoned us so the Gemara says so I'll obey say so what happened to Bardaroma he went to the bathroom <laughs> So before, you know, we had this almost comic fall of uh, Titus and the blowed up uh, foot of uh, Vespasian. So here we have this Bardroma, this Superman. He goes to the bathroom. Um, also Darkona, this serpent, remember the Darkona that was around the uh, barrel of uh, honey yesterday in the whole metaphor of uh, Yerushalayim and uh, Vespasian? So here he's going to the bathroom, came a serpent. Shante Lekarkashe, he basically he dropped his gut. <laughs> Somehow he was so afraid or the serpent bit him or something, whatever. Anyway, his intestines fell out, and he died. Okay, so he had a bathroom accident and he died. So again, quite a sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a comic almost, comic tragic. Anyway, so now the Caesar said, see, Caesar is very, is very firm here. He said, since this miracle occurred to me and God answered my prayer, this time, I'll, I'll leave them, I won't, I won't wipe them out. So, 
So Shavkinu, uh, he left them. Vaazo is Daker, and then the Jews, after Caesar left, they got up, stood uh, stood up to dance. Vaachu v'shasu, they ate and they drank. Vidlik v'sharge, and they lit the candles. So it's uh, because they were so happy that the uh, Romans left them. Adi tchazi bilyona de gushpanka until the very uh, like the the, the impression the uh, of, of of a coin of a seal, you know, like a like a signet ring. So like you know you could. Um, Berichuk Mila could be seen. There was so much light that a mile away you could see the insignia on a signet ring. Ishvikin Amar. So as the Caesar was leaving and he saw all this rejoicing, he said, "You know, The Jews are mocking me. Hadar Asalai." So he turned back and he and he went and he once again, you know, came back and attacked them. Um, and now we're going to see how big it was that they, the city they wiped out. So now, obviously, these numbers are grossly exaggerated. But anyway, um, three... Um, 300,000 men with drawn swords entered into Tormaka. Zikatluba, Tilsa Yamavitlasa Leilvasa. And, 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 you know, murdered there, killed there for three days and three nights. So on one side of the city they were being slaughtered, and on the other side of the city somehow the word didn't get to them, and they were still rejoicing. Um, I lost my place. And they, you know, this half of the city didn't know about what's going on in the other half of the city. I'm not exactly sure how that's even possible or what exactly the message is, but I should stop to say that I think that the bigger message here is, first of all, I think that this is true, right? Didn't the Romans, uh, like, really do that with uh, rebelling uh, cities that they would like completely de- wipe them out the word decimate actually comes from that period right doesn't mean to it's from the decimate has a different origin but the Romans did do that the, the decimate, main, decimate you kill that every, one out of every ten or you kill that, that was applied to Roman soldiers who were mutinying oh they would order the 90% remi- 9% to kill the 10% as a way to get them to be more cruel. I see, wow. Okay, anyway. They, they would do that, the most famously, they started doing that with Carthage. Wow, right. So, on the one hand, obviously, this would, ha- would happen in these cities that were built, but I actually think that the other point about this, which is often lost, because normally if people are doing this, I got it on, like, Tishabov, they usually stop before this, because, well, this isn't about the Chorban anymore, this is just about some city called Tor Malka. But I think the actual point of the Gemara is that, you know, we so much focus on Chorban that we lose sight of the actual destruction of the way of life, the destruction of the people, of the cities, of the population, right? There's all the talk about the Chorobayas often tends to, you know, un- you know, uh, well, since I was in you know, Tishabov, we tend to then include, you know, make it part, part off of a Holocaust. And obviously there, you know, you know, that's all about the decimation of the, of the population and of the people. But in the discussions of the, of the uh, 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 and sometimes when people talk about the Holocaust, they say we also need to talk about the lost culture and society and, and so on. You know, but anyway, but in discussions of Harbais, this other part about the human part and about not just what happened in Yerushalayim but what happened throughout Israel and how you know and I think also that makes it very poignant about how you know they have this uh, rooster and the hen like you know they're like this is you know very like a, it's very uh, you know sort of you know, you know uh, 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 sort of like prosaic but it's also like you know these are like their uh, traditional practices and a certain way of life and so on and they can't deal with the fact that you know that things are a little bit different and the Romans are here and you have to like just you know they couldn't even like accommodate that and come to terms with that and then in the end it all gets destroyed yes during the Shoah um, Jews in one country in Eastern Europe where the Holocaust didn't get them for later, did not know what was going on in neighboring countries. No, it's similar to the idea of one half of the city and the other yeah. half. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so uh, so the verse is like this. Um, okay. Um, uh, one minute. Okay. Uh, now we're going to quote, obviously relevant, psukim from Eicha. God, you have swallowed up and you have not, uh, and, and with and no, com- and not com- have compassion. Et kol na'avot Yaakov. All of the, you know, uh, cities or, uh, of, of Yaakov. Kiyasa Ravin, um, uh, um, or all the beautiful places. Kiyasa Ravin, Amar Rebbe Yochanan, Elu Shishim Rebo Ayarot. These are the 
60, 600,000, excuse me, 60 myriads, 600,000 villages. Yanai had on Haramelech. I don't know how you have 600,000 villages on one mountain. The Amar Rav Yud Amar Ravasi, Shishim Rebo Ayarot, 600,000 villages. Yanai Melech Baharamelech. He had, Yanai the king had, this Hasmonian king. And each one of those villages had as many Jews as came out of, out of Mitzrayim, which, you know, was 600,000 males, you know, between the ages of whatever, you know, 20, you know, 20 and up and so on. So, probably about 2 million people per village, times 600,000. You do the math. Okay. Um, Chut, I don't know if there's that many people alive in the world today. Chutz, Misha, Shalosh, Shayuban, Kiflayim, Miyotemitzayim. But there were three of the villages that had double the woes that came out of Egypt. Anyway, and these are those three villages. Kfar Bish, Kfar Shichlayim, and Kfar Dicharya. So what does this mean? Kfar Bish means the bad village. That they actually were uh, cruel. They didn't let, uh, you know, wayfarers have a, have a place to sleep. Kfar Shichlayim, like Saddam, exactly. Shaisa Panasasim in Shichlayim. That they would make their living from Shichlayim. Which is like watercress, some type of vegetable. Kfar dechariya, which is males. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan Chayin Shoseim Yoldos Dcharim Tchilav Yoldos Nikeva Bachrona Uposkot. First they would have boys, then they would have girls, and then they'd stop giving birth. So I'm not exactly sure what the point is. Like, oh, once they were Yotzei Peruvut, is this a critique that they didn't have more kids than this? Is it, I don't know. Anyway, Amar Ula Lididi Chazi Liyahu Asra. Now Ula said one minute. You know, I saw this place that you're describing that you said that there were six hundred thousand villages. So I feel it's not even big enough for 600,000 reeds. How can you say there are 600,000 villages? So Ula seems to be calling them on the, uh, the fact that this is a bit of an exaggeration. Um, so Amarle, but now the Gemara switches it to be talking to be a critique from the outside. Tzuduki, now my guess is Tzuduki, I'm sure the original guess is Min. What do you have there in the, in the Steinzelt? Uh, min. Min, right, a heretic. Rabbi Hanina, Shiku you guys are lying, right? You said it was 600,000 villages and can't even have 600,000 reeds. Amalei, Eretz No, Eretz Yisrael is described as the land of the deer. So, Matzvi, Zev, the same way a deer, Ein Oro Machzik if you flay a deer, then you would not be able to get the skin back on the deer. So, the skin itself is smaller than the body that it contains. It stretches when it's on the body. So Af Eretz Yisrael, the same as the land of Israel. Bizman sheyoshin aleha, when it's the people dwell in the land, Ravcha it expands. Umazman sheein yoshin aleha, when they don't dwell in the land, Gamda it shrinks. So that's why this place is so small right now. But believe me, at that time it had six hundred thousand villages, and each village had six hundred thousand people in it. Okay. Ravminyomi barchilkiya, ravchilkiya barchilkiya, ravhuna barchiya. Have a Anyway, but clearly though the point is that now we're moving from, as I said, the base hamikdash to the destruction of the population. Okay? Have a gabi hadadi. These three rabbis were sitting by one another. Amri, and they said, Ika Mitzrayim If anybody heard anything about the city, Kfar Sakanya of Egypt, let him say, now what are we doing about Egypt? So Sansino says, Sansino is an underused resource nowadays because the translation is stilted and there are all these other translations. But that's a really good footnote. Anyway, Sansino says that some surmise that it's Kfar Sakanya shall notsrim, not Mitzrayim from Nazareth and that actually apparently that was an area that later um, uh, was uh, you know was uh, uh, rebelled not against the Romans but sort of you know apparently amongst the, against the Jewish populace is from what I read from that footnote I don't know enough about that anyway so here what they're trying to do is talk about how it used to be a very faithful place before that later. do you know anything about that Charlie about the places in, in, in apparently there is something place called something like Farsakanya in, uh, in this uh, N- Nazareth area. Anyway, the Gemara says... What? City, yeah. Nazareth is what? A city? It's a city in Israel today. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that this is probably... I think this is no. near that. I think it's in that area. So, anyway. All right. So, if anybody heard anything about this, Lema, let him say. So, one said, a story about a bride and a bridegroom, or a bridegroom and a bride, meaning it was just Eresin, it wasn't yet Nisuin, so they had the Kiddushin, but they hadn't yet had Chup and been married, like to begin living together. That they were taken captive. Um, and the, the uh, non-Jews, who presumably weren't even aware that they had been already married, this is not, it's sort of like, you know, the whole story we say on Tisha B'Av about, right, the brother and the sister that they're thinking are going to, you know, putting in the room, but it's Kohanim, and they're going to have babies, and whatever, they didn't realize 
realized that the brother and sister, anyway, here actually they were already married. And the non-Jews were putting them together to make babies and to have them as slaves. Okay, maybe they didn't, the non-Jews didn't even realize they were married. So you should think, what's the problem? So the problem is, is that they only had Kiddushin and they didn't yet have Nisuin. So that's the problem. Okay, the Amrlo. So she said to him, She said to her husband, Please, I'll tigibi. Don't touch me. Right? Let's, we, can't, we, we, we can't be intimate. Now what's the problem? I mean, you know, you're living together. Let that count as Nisuin. No, the problem is there's no Ksuva. And you're not allowed to live together, husband and wife, without a Ksuva. So, And he did not touch her until the day he died. And when he died, So she said to them, I guess the captors, you should uh, eulogize this friendship. He was able to sort of be dismiss his uh, desires, his lusts. The Yosef Yosef, greater than Yosef. The Yosef, Yosef only had to resist for one moment. The I and this man, my husband, called Yom of Yoma every day. The Yosef, they weren't sleeping and sharing a bed. The high Bechadamita, and we were sharing a bed. The Yosef, and Yosef, he was resisting Asia's Potiphar. That wasn't his wife. And I'm his wife, but I told him that we can't sleep together, and he, and he, uh, he did that. So that was one story. Okay? So you see how tremendously, sort of, you know, righteous they, they were. And he said, there was, a, there was a story about this place that one time four uh, measures of grain cost a dinar. So grain was very cheap. Okay? They were very uh, wealthy and, uh, you know, and very uh, uh, successful. Grain was very cheap. Nasser Ashar, and then the, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the rate went down. Modia achat. That now you could only get 39 measures of grain for a dinar. So, and they wanted to know, why is it? What has happened that, that now it's only 39 measures? And they found that there was a father and son. Imagine like all, how, how terrible this is. Like five, <laughs> it was a father and son doing the sin together, having sex with a betrothed woman on Yom Kippur. And they were eating pork while they were doing it. Maybe. <laughs> They revealed based in, and they brought them to Basin Vesaklum, and they stoned them. And then the rate went back. So anyway, they were so righteous, you know, that uh, in general, right, that they were said that led to how successful they were. And if there was any ever thing that, like, you know, and even the, uh, you know, in any sin would have de- like derailed that, but they were obviously very, uh, you know, very responsible for 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 that, and they would uh, attend to any problems. Um, okay. Uh, Another one said, A man wanted to divorce his wife. Um, but he had a very large ksuva. Um, so, and what did he want to do? He wanted to get out of having to pay her ksuva. So he wanted to basically make it seem like it was her fault. Like she, she had done something to deserve to be divorced. So what did he do? He, he, he invited his, his uh, friends. And he, he gave them food and he caused them to drink. Shichran and he got them drunk. Rishkivan al mita achas. He had them all lie down on one bed. Zehvi loven beitza and he took the uh, the white of an egg. Vehito beinehen and he put it between between them. So he made it look like it was semen essentially. Vehemi len edin and he brought witnesses to see what had happened. It almost sounds like a scene out of Macbeth, you know. Anyway, uba le beisdin and he came to beisdin and said, Look, you know these men, they must have had sex with my wife, and I'm going to divorce. I wasn't enough that he just did one man, right? He had, had all these men anyway. Vehayisham zakein echad mita. There was one man from the uh, descendants of uh, the student uh, from, from the uh, from the students of Shammai, of Shammai the elder, Ubaba ben Buta Shmo. His name was Baba ben Buta. Amalan, and he said, This is the tradition I have from Shammai the elder. Loven baits a soleid. If it is an egg white soleid, or it'll like shrivel up if you apply if you put uh, it next to a you know light or fire. The shichvazera dochamina or. But if it was semen, it would get like absorbed into. The uh, cloth, if it's near fire, ubatu matu kedvarav, and they saw it like he was right, and therefore it was an egg white and it was not semen. They vielu basin vielku, and they brought this man to basin and they uh, gave him lashes. Fikbuk suvasam imenu, and they made her and made him pay her ksufa. 
Okay, so that's how, right, so that, so it's interesting, right, because the first story is just, you know, the righteousness of the individuals. The other story is, look, not everybody is perfect, I mean, even have Avu, Mano, Shabalu, Nara, Murasa, but it's about the responsibility they're taking in terms of, you know, their own communal, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you, you know, sort of the leadership, the responsibility that the leadership is taking, the communal righteousness, and bringing them to base in, and punishing the sins, you know, and to some degree that's in contest to what we saw before about a about uh, you know a non you know about a about about about, a, about about not taking the full responsibility that the basin had. So the Gemara says you know for in the time of the basin mikdash. So the Gemara says. Um, so if they were so righteous, why were they punished? So now here it's like interesting because you know they did not mourn over the destruction of Jerusalem. So you should rejoice with it, all those who mourn for it, that only those who share in the mourning will share in the rejoicing. And this actually, from what I understand, um, you know, historians actually say that for certain people, like we think that the Chorban Habayas was complete devastation for everybody, all the Jews who lived in Israel. But actually, for some of those that lived not near Yerushalayim, and you know, like some of maybe the villages and so on, who were who were distant, you know, it might not have been as uh, you know completely uh, traumatic um, as we might have as we might imagine. So here it understands that there could have been a village, right? And uh, how far is Nazareth from? Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it's in the Galilee. It's in the Galilee, yeah. right? So the places that are very far and that are in the Galilee and so on, how much did they really feel how much the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash changed their lives? So here you could imagine a town, right, that's very righteous and so on, but is like a little bit, you know, not feeling the communal sense of that larger national and communal sense of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So again, it's quite interesting, right? On the one hand, they are res- very responsible as a community for what goes on in their Baamos, you know, within their own village, and they really take full responsibility for that, but they don't see a larger sense of a national responsibility. Okay, so now the Gemara says, so that's story number two. Now we get story number three, which also has to do with the destruction of the cities and the population. A shaka de rispit, based on like a be uh, like a, an axle on a carriage, chori um, beitar, beitar was destroyed. What's that story? Davinihigi, because the practice was, when a boy was born, a baby boy was born, Shakli Arza, they plant a cedar tree. Yanukta, when a baby girl was born, Shakli Ternisa, they would plant a Ternisa, which Rashi says is pines. Rashi says pine, which I assume means pine, a pine. Is that how they translate it, a pine? Uh, cypress says it might, uh, he says it might be a pine, but it might be a cypress as well. Okay, okay. <coughs> a cedar tree. A cedar tree. No, cedar is the boy, isn't it? Cedar oh, the I'm boy. sorry. Um, yes, yes, yes. The girl, what do they say it is? They, they had a pine. Pine, okay. Um, anyway, um, the means and when a boy and a girl would get married, when they would grow up, so they would go to the boy's tree and the girl's tree that had been planted when they were when they were born, and kaitzilu they'd cut down the trees. So Abdu they made a chuppah out of it. It's a very beautiful minug. Yomuchar barte de kesar. So one day the Caesar's daughter was passing through this town, which was passing through Besar. Isbar shaka and the axle from her carriage broke. So what do they do? Cut the arza. They cut down the most of the you know, the, 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 the nearby cedar tree, um, the Ayula, and they brought it to her, also, you know, to uh, go ahead and fix her carriage. So, also, Nafulayu. So then all the Jews of the village went and attacked the Caesar's daughter and the, uh, you know, and the army that was with her because they cut down this tree. They were, you know, impinging on their way of life. Machunu, um, they smote them, they hit them. Asu Amrulaylukeza, they came and told the Caesar, Marduvacha, you died. The Judeans are rebelling against you. Asalayu, so he came against them in war. So, again, the inability to appreciate, you know, even the slight adjustment to these uh, traditional practices. Okay, God God cut down with 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 fire anger all of the horn of Israel. So Amar Abzeir, Amar Rabbi Yavam, Rabbi Yochanan, Elu Shmoni Melav Karni Milchama. These are eighty thousand, or maybe eighty, depending on your side. Anyway, horns of war. You know, they would blow these horns when they would come and attack. There's a Shin, picture here. Uh, a, a war horn. Thank you. And Spiegel actually included it. In the score of Pines of Rome. <laughs> okay. the that came into the city of Beitar, when they conquered it. And they 
smote men, women, and children. Until the blood flowed into the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean was nearby. No, it was a mile away, or a meal was about a kilometer. And there was so much blood, it flowed all the way into the Mediterranean. There are two wadis in Bikat Yadayim, which is presumably near Betar. One going one way and one going the other way. Um, and the sages estimated at that time, I assume, he means that it was two thirds water and one third blood filled that wadi. In the bright we taught, for seven years afterwards, the non-Jews harvested their their uh, vineyards from the blood of Israel that had seeped into the uh, land without fertilizing. And you know, I mean, one cannot help but thinking about you know the uh, the uh, land in Auschwitz, right? People know about how that you know for many you know it's, uh, it's very lush because of all of the uh, of the uh, human you know remains that are absorbed into the land. So, um Rabbi Yechia Bar Avin, Amar Rabbi Yehoshua Ben Karcha, Sachli Zakein Echad Me'anshei Yerushalayim, a certain elder from the elders of Jerusalem whispered to me, told me, Bezika Zu Harag Nevuzaradan Rav Tabachim, so now we're going back to the time of the first base of Mikdash, in this valley, Nevuzaradvan, the head of the, uh, literally butchers, you know, the head general of Nevuchadnezzar, slaughtered, Masayim Ba'achas Esrei Rebo, 211 Myriads, which is 211 times 10,000, which is 2.1 million. Okay, a little exaggeration. Yerushalayim harak tishim varbaribo, 94 myriads, 940,000 in Jerusalem. Al evanachat, all on one stone. Until the blood came and, and touched with the blood of Zechariah. Zechariah was a Kohen that they uh, slaughtered because he was, uh, because, you know, he was righteous and Yehoyash, who, Yo, uh, Yoash, who was the king there, um, saw, you know, basically ordered him, uh, murdered. Um, and, um, to fulfill the verse, it says, and the blood touched against the blood. So, now this is a famous story which actually gets worked into one of the keynotes on Tishabav. So the Vuzaradan, when he entered into the Beis Hamikdash, found the blood of Zechariah. Uh, this is not the Zechariah who came back, who was one of the last Nevi'im who came back in the time of the second Beis Hamikdash. That's a different Zechariah Navi. This is a Zechariah who was a Kohen at the time of the end of the first Beis Hamikdash. Anyway, the Havik Kamartach, it was bubbling, it was boiling. Basalik, um, you know, bubbling up. Amar um, and so the with the run and said, My high, what is this blood? Amulay, so the Jews said to him, Damzvachim bishtapach, I don't know, it's the blood of sacrifices that's on the ground. Aisi dame, so he took the blood of like, uh, you know, animals, of like uh, cows and sheep. Below Idmi, it didn't look like it. He knew that they were lying. Amalahu, Yamrisuli Mutav, if you tell me the truth of what this is, of what this is, it's good. Vilav, and if not, I will flay your flesh with uh, like uh, uh, iron combs. Um, Amalei, they said to him, my name is what should we tell you? I mean, you know, we have to be honest with you. There was a prophet among us, um, and he would, uh, you know, he gave us um, um, uh, Musr, you know, he would remonstrate us, in, 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 in the words of, in the name of God, and from, you know, with heavenly words. Um, so what did we do? We didn't want to hear what he had to say, so we rose up against him, and we, and we killed him. And now it's been many years. His blood has not stopped bubble, you know, has not settled. Um, he said to them, I am a feisting away. I will cause, I will appease his death. Um, I see Sanhedrin Gedola. He took the, the, the large Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin Ketana, and the smaller Sanhedrin, and he slaughtered them uh, over the blood. And the blood did not rest. Again, gets to that issue about leadership, you know, the responsibility on the leaders. Then he took like innocent young, me, young, you know, young, young men and young women, and he slaughtered them on it. And it did not stop rubbling. Then he brought the, uh, you know, the school children, and slaughtered them over the blood, oh, uh, you know, by the blood. And it still didn't stop boiling. So now the Uzzaran said, I've destroyed the best among them. 
do you want me to wipe everyone out? So, when he said this, nach, then the blood stopped boiling. At that moment, he had a thought of Cuba in his, in his, in his mind. Um, and he said, if for one soul God seeks the vengeance like this, just, you know, for, for, for one, uh, so, so for one Jewish soul, me, I've, I've killed all of these souls. How much more will I be punished for, you know, how greatly will I be punished for my sin? Of course, it's a little bit funny because he was killing them because of the blood and the blood was sort of seeking the vengeance. So, anyway, but okay. Anyway, um, Arach, he ran away. He sent a document to his house to uh, sort of distribute his property to, uh, you know, to uh, take care of his, of, of, of his business. Uh, he got here and he converted. Okay, so I bet you didn't know that. Everybody is converting. Uncle is converted. Um, what was it? Uh, Nero. Okay. Nero. Nero converted. And now it was Zaradan converted. Okay. Tana, we thought of Bryce up. Naman, right, who was from that whole story with, um, you know, with, uh, you know, you know, Elisha, and he got healed from his Sarat, and he basically said, actually, he said, like, I will, you know, I, I accept God, and sometimes I'll have to bow down to this, uh, you know, to, the, to this idol, because I'll go with my master there, and I won't have a choice, but basically he had accepted God. Is so, between the ones who we advise not to convert, Bill and said not to convert. Right. And these guys who actually right. did, actually did convert, exactly. So Naaman Gertoshev Haya. Naaman was the Gertoshev, which means he abandoned Avodazar. He didn't become a Jew, and that's actually like shot in the Psukim. Nibuzaradan Gertzedek Hami, but Nibuzaradan, he actually was a full convert. Nibnei Bana Shel Haman, now Haman's, you know, grandchildren, Lamdu Bivnei Brak. They're still learning Torah in Bnei Brak. Okay? Nibnei Bana Shel Sisra, and the grandchildren of Sisra, they're teaching school children in Yerushalayim. So even our greatest enemies ultimately, you know, realize the truth or their descendants find their way into the Jewish people. Um, which also shows, I guess, the power of tshuva. You know, not only realizing the light and the truth even, you know, but that actually, you know, that they're able to actually be accepted, you know, if they do that tshuva. The grandchildren of Sancherev, Lindu Torah Berabin, you know, taught Torah in... Uh, um, uh, um, you know, uh, to teach Torah in public, you know, in, in crowds. And who are these? So, Uman Inun, um, Shemai of Avtalian. Shemai of Avtalian, right? Who were like the uh, leaders of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the early rabbinic leaders of the Jewish people. Um, you know, teachers of Hillel and Shammai. Highly deceived, Nasat. Okay, fine. So anyway, so pretty, uh, pretty amazing here about how all of these, like, uh, terrible people who came to destroy Israel eventually, either they converted or children converted, they found their way in actually, I think there's a tshuva in Shiloh Shikshu Tzmi Mamakim from Rav Oshri's tshuva from the Holocaust, where a uh, or after the Holocaust, like a few years after, uh, a Nazi actually was feeling so guilty and he wanted to actually convert to Judaism. And the question was like, would they let him convert? You know. So actually, I mean, here you have a, you know, yeah. Um, uh, a descendant of Amalek. Right. So yeah. raises interesting questions about if Amalek does too, can, can you, can an Amalek become a convert? You know, there's a whole Rambam on this and so on, exactly. Okay. Uh, now, ra- now, wrapping up this whole point, going back to the Zuchariah story, I put the blood on the flint, on the, you know, on the, on, on the flat of the rock that it should not be covered over. So the blood would not get absorbed. It was on the floor of the base of Mikdash. And uh, that's that process that uh, that is uh, evokes that uh, you know connects to that idea. Okay, the sound, the voice of the voice of, Ye- of Yaakov, and the hands are the hands of Esav, which raises like interesting questions, right? To some degree, it continues a theme about how these you know these uh, these pe- people that have you know destroyed and oppressed and killed you know in, amongst the Jews, the if you were the Esav model has become part of Yaakov, right? So this intersection of Kol Yaakov and Yadayim Esav. Let's see what. The Gemara does with this. Um, Hakol there are dryness. This is Hadrian, Caesar, which was not, which was, I mean, so much of the, you know, martyrs of the, uh, the Asar Haruge Malchus was under Hadrian. Shishim Shishim He killed in Alexandria of Egypt 
600,000 times 600,000. So what is that? I can't even do the math. 360 million or something? Uh, more maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. To fly in Kiyotze Mitzrayim. Double, well, unless it means 600,000 plus, not times. And then it's because that seems like it. Anyway, double those that went to Egypt. So what does that mean that Hakol Kol Yaakov? So... So, um, so Rashi says, does Rashi say what that means? Okay, so Koko Yaakov here means that the sound, the outcry, the wailing comes from Yaakov because of Yadayi Deyesav. That's how it's being read. Kol Yaakov, so now there's another interpretation, or Hakol, that's the sound of wailing that comes from that, 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 the slaughter of Hadrian. Kol Yaakov, there are Spesinus case, are Vespasian, Beitar Arba Meot Rebo, four hundred million, which would be four million if you're doing the math. The Amile Arbat Alafin Rebo, four thousand million, which is forty million. Okay. So again, the, the, the outcry from the uh, because of Yadain Yudeisav, you know, the 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 Koyakov here is the the outcry, the wailing. This is the evil kingdom, meaning Rome. So again, that's a repeating theme. So first we had that it was because of the humility of this, uh, what was his name, of this rabbi. And then it was because of Busha that God caused us and now it's Rome that's right? So who's to blame? Is Zuchar, that was Reb Zechariah. That was another Zechariah. That was interesting. Anyway, so anyway, is it like the failure of leadership that caused it? Is it the way that people acted against one another that caused it? Right? Is it God that caused it? Is it the Rome, Romans that caused it? It's very interesting. The same phrase being attributed to different actors throughout these agatitas. Um, okay. Um, this is the more drush I think we're more familiar with with Kol Yaakov you don't have a prayer that works that's effective so now we're getting the intersection that we had sort of Esav converting into Yaakov and now we're saying any prayer that God hears somehow has some influence from the Jewish people. I don't know exactly know how if it's being played by Nazi people, but okay, maybe um, anyway. The hands are hands of Esav. And you don't have any war that is successful. That somehow does not have somebody involved in it that is from the descendants of Esav. In the in the uh, sort of the. Um, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the slander of the, of the tongue shall be hidden. With somehow the, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, the contentiousness, or again, the slander of the tongue, it will be hidden. It's exactly, not exactly clear how it's, uh, you know, what Rashi says, the fighting of the tongue. Anyway, Rashi says this is going back to the idea of the, uh, of the, uh, Lashon Hara. So, I guess tying back to what do you call it? About the, uh, about, about the, um, new, about, uh, about, uh, Kamsa and Bar Kamsa that it came through but through infighting um, that that ultimately led to the destruction okay I'm Rav Yudam Rav my Dechsev Al Naharot Pavel Sham Yashav Nu Gabachinu B'Zachrin Ratzion going back to the time of the Babylonians David. So this is this is understood to have been written by David. All feeling was understood to be well by David. Some things are clearly earlier, but the Gemara doesn't want to attribute something to something later. So anyway, so God showed David Korban by Shishan and Korban by Shani. Both destructions. Korban by Shishan and Shani Al Narot Bavel Babylon. Shamir Shavnu Gambachinu by Shani deceives the Chor Hashem leaves Neidom as Yom Yerushalayim Hamri Arud Arud Adi Yisod Ba. Remember God, the children of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, when they said, like you know, destroy, destroy until the very until the very foundation so they wanted the Beis HaMikdash destroyed so rather than interpreting it to be the literal Bnei Adom that were near that you know were in a, were in a neighboring country it's reading it as the figurative Edom of Rome in the second Beis HaMikdash Amor Rav Yudam HaShmuav Yitemu Rav Yami Zami Levi Masnisa Tana Ma'iseba Arba Meot Yiladim the Yiladot famous story 400 um, boys and girls Shanishbu Lekalon that they were being taken for shame which basically means that they were going to be taken for um, not just for slaves but for sexual purposes they were taken into captivity by the Romans they had a sense of why they were being taken captive and really they said 
so if, if, if question mark meaning if we were to uh, drown ourselves in the sea would we get the world to come so the, the eldest one interpreted the following verse Amar Hashem Bashan Ashiv Ashiv Yam from the Bashan I will, I will bring back I will bring back from, from the depths of the sea Bashan Ashiv what does that mean Mibayn Shinei Ariyei Ashiv from the from the teeth of the lion I will return them Mibayn Yam those that drown themselves in the sea. I'm not exactly getting the Shinei Arye, unless that means like Rome. Anyway, if you go to save yourself from the Romans by drowning yourself in the sea, God says, I will bring you back. When the girls heard this, they jumped into the sea and drowned themselves. The boys made a Kavachomer Batsman. They that, you know, to be... Uh, to be, uh, you know, at least it's a uh, man, ra- you know, raping a woman, but it's, anyway, it's, uh, th- that's at least something that's more, I guess, that type of sex is seen as more, you know, common. Kach anush, kach, and they were willing to, to jump into the ocean. Anush ain't kach, we are going to be, you know, uh, raped by men. That's, uh, even less natural. Allah has come to how much more so do we have to go ahead and, uh, do this. Afin they jumped into the ocean. By them, the verse says, So for you, we were slaughtered the whole day. We've been like sheep to the slaughter. Now, this actually is a very important midrash because it was used by the Tosafot and the Chachmei Ashkenaz in terms of this whole issue about are you allowed to take your life um, in order to save yourself from, you know, this happened in the time of the Crusades, mm-hmm. from a fear forced conversion, mm-hmm. right? Or is the that you can give up your life if the non Jews is is going to say that they're going to kill you but if they're not going to kill you and they're just going to force you to convert can you actively take your own life can Torah actually you know condone halacha condone suicide or taking your own life you know in order to save yourself from uh, from well in time of Tosos it was baptism but here it's actually from sexual sin okay and is that permissible or not so you know Chaim Salavetik wrote this whole article that like there's no halachic basis for it and Tosos had to post facto justify it and the proof that it's not really it's not really halachically justified is that they draw on Midrashim and they you know we all know that Midrashim are not actually legitimate as part of the halachic discourse it's like a lot of assumptions in that argument I mean but you know but <laughs> he starts by the presumption that Midrashim are not part, it's true that they're not a normal part of the halachic discourse but nevertheless they express you know rabbin, rabbinic values you cannot read this Midrash without getting a sense that the Chazal are saying that they think that this was the right thing to do. So, you know, whether it's strictly a halachic text or not, in terms of an attitude, uh, do we actually think that this was a right activity, maybe not a mandated one, but a praiseworthy one? I don't think you can read it otherwise. Yes? I, thought, I didn't read the article carefully, but I thought he was saying that it, it was no, actually, yeah, but I think he was making a bigger point. First of all, Tosus does it. Um, Tosus does it a good deal. I mean, but his point was, but his point was like it's not a standard halachic move to do that. Um, and the funny thing is, is that again, no, even if you don't rec- admit and concede that it's not a halachic text, it doesn't directly. Be, it's not a direct part of a halachic discourse. You can't read this agarata without thinking that it says something about Hazal's attitude to this phenomenon, right? And if you know what Chazal's attitude to this phenomenon is, how could that not influence the way you read other halachic texts? You know, even if you're not considering this a halachic text itself. So if you take a look at Tosros, Kaf Tzukulam Vin he says, Adam Mutoshit not love which is the counter text, right, about the Reb ben Taradion that was put out, you know, the Sefer Torah, you know, better God should take my soul and I shouldn't do injury to myself. They were afraid of being tortured and afflictions because it's one thing if you know you're going to be killed and you're going to be able to say fine kill me right I'll, I'll just take the death but if you're going to be tortured and you're afraid you're going to succumb to the torture then you're going to in the end wind up doing the sin so this is the only way out of the sin is by taking your own life okay and had they, had they tortured Hanan and Mishael and Azariah they would have worshipped the Vodazara 
anyway, they could have raped them without killing them. So if the only way to escape, it's fine to say give up your life if that's the choice being given to you. But if your only way to escape the sin is by taking your own life, right, then Tosa is saying, well, then at least it sees them, that that's at least an acceptable course of action. At least that's how what Tosos learns from this Gemara. So it's a very actually important Gemara in that larger conversation. So we'll actually see another story just like this when we continue tomorrow.